children and the teens can be dismissed for their Sunday school time now. Uh, if you, uh, we're looking at our second part of our lesson uh, on Peter, lesson number 13. If you need a, a set of notes, uh, be sure to raise your hand. And I believe Teresa going to have you hand out some notes. If you need a copy of the notes today, uh, and you need a copy, Jerry's will get one to you if you put your hand up. Uh, let's turn to Galatians in chapter number 2. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 11 this morning. When you found your place, let me know by saying amen. So we're, we're looking here. We see Peter's education as a disciple continued uh, even after he became uh, an apostle. And so he, uh, even as one of the leaders of the early church and a powerful preacher of God's word, he was still uh, in need of correction. So. Learn from the life of Peter uh, and how it deals with consistency. And so uh, let's uh, look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 11. And it reads, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood unto the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Verse number 14, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And let's pray this morning as we begin. Father, thank you for uh, this opportunity to preach your word. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would help me this morning, uh, fill me with your spirit. Lord, guide me as I teach. Lord, help uh, those here uh, who are listening, Lord, that you would work in their heart. Uh, Lord, you'd show us how you'd uh, desire for us to become more like you today. Lord, I pray you help us in this matter of consistency. Um, Lord, um, help us to learn from Peter's life. We thank you uh, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. William Shakespeare, he, he said, Consistency, thou art a jewel. Uh, it's often uh, credited to him. And we see uh, undoubtedly most would agree that consistency greatly affects our testimony and our effective, effectiveness for Christ. And uh, I love how the Lord works things together. We're going to look at that uh, kind of idea this morning, effectiveness, uh, being effective for Christ in our morning service. But we see in this passage in Galatians, we find Paul challenging Peter to be consistent in the matter of his conduct towards fellow believers. Uh, God had made it clear to Paul uh, in a vision in Acts chapter 10 that the gospel of Christ was not to be kept from anyone. Uh, but we see here... There, because of peer pressure Paul, uh, that Paul encountered, it caused him to withdraw from obedience and threaten to bring real harm to the cause of Christ. We see Paul understood uh, and took the occasion to remind Peter that the Great Commission was for everyone. And I'm thankful today that the, the gospel, the Great Commission was for 
everyone. I am a receiver of that benefit, and so is many of us here today, uh, most of us. And so we see number one in our notes this morning as a way of review, Peter being cooperative. Peter being cooperative in Acts chapter 10. Uh, if we looked at uh, this incident in Peter's life, uh, we see that initially he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. Uh, he was, one might say, off to a, a good and obedient start. Uh, and so while it's true that people, uh, they do remember how we start and how we finish, uh, it is important that the work between the beginning and the end is uh, consistent, that we uh, continue in what we have learned. And so we ought to continue in both our calling and in good doctrine. So Paul urged, uh, we see as Paul urged Timothy to do, uh, if we have started well, uh, like these, we can continue well, we will be more likely that we will also finish well. In Second Timothy, we uh, read uh, this. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And then in chapter uh, 4 of First Timothy, he writes, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, or the teachings, uh, continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so uh, let's look at Acts chapter 10. And we'll look at this uh, situation that happened here. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1. So we see the vision, I believe, uh, here of... Peter, we read in verse number one, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house and which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose name is, surname is Peter. And he, lo he lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And uh, we see, uh, and when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And then Acts uh, 10, verse 8, And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And so we see in verse 9, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And so sixth hour in, in Jewish time, uh, usually the Jewish, the Jewish day would start at 6 a.m. our time. Uh, so six hours into the day, it's about lunchtime. And we see here uh, noon, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and led down to the earth. And wherein were all manners of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. 
And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, I, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And so now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and he stood before the gate. And Simon and, and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men which were sent uh, unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into the, his house, and to hear words of thee. And then called he them in, and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And so if you uh, continued reading down through this passage, you would see, uh, we see Peter uh, coming, going with them, and uh, we see Peter learns a lesson here through this vision. Uh, God is telling him, don't call what it has been cleansed common or uh, ordinary, uh, unclean, uh, things that are not set apart. Uh, we see Peter, uh, God was teaching Peter here in this passage that you know, the, the gospel is not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. The Gentiles were looked at uh, by the Jews as being, you know, they're, they're not uh, the, the chosen people. They're not uh, clean. They're not, uh, they're not part of us. And so we see uh, Peter had learned some very hard lessons during his years of ministry. And uh, think back, we, if we think back over the lesson in this series, we realize how uh, they must have felt to Peter at the time. They were jarring, uh, even humiliating. And Peter had accepted the various uh, rebukes and corrections as opportunities for education and growth. And that's a, that's a wise way to deal with uh, rebuke and correction. Uh, if you live your life you know, refusing rebuke and, and despising correction, uh, it's not going to lead you down a good path. But if you choose to learn from it and to grow from those times, uh, it will help you. And so we see in, God, in God's time and way, Peter became uh, one of the uh, pillars of the first church. Uh, you can see in Galatians 2, verse 9. And it was Peter uh, also who stood up and led in the choosing of Matthias uh, to take the place of, uh, of the fallen Judas Iscariot. Uh, we see this in Acts chapter 1. And it was Peter who once again stood up and lifted up his voice to deliver the sermon at Pentecost, which led, led to the salvation of over 3,000 souls uh, in Acts chapter 2. And it was Peter also who, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, brought healing uh, to a lame man uh, at the temple and then preached the sermon at Solomon's porch and telling the men of Israel plainly that they had delivered up and denied and killed the very prince of life and that they needed to 
repent and be converted. We see in Acts chapter 3. And it was also Peter who told the rulers and elders and scribes and the high priest himself that they had crucified Jesus, uh, that Jesus was the only way of salvation, and, that he, and then he would go right on procla- proclaiming what uh, they had told him not to in spite of all of the threats we see in Acts chapter 4. Uh, it was Peter who spoke the word uh, that struck the deceitful couple Ananias and Sapphira dead in their tracks in Acts chapter 5. And then later on we see in Acts chapter 5 it was Peter whose very shadow brought uh, hope to those who were sick that they would be healed. Uh, it was Peter fresh out of jail uh, coming for, uh, for the crime of uh, filling Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ that he went back to uh, the temple and preached. Uh, and we see him telling the high priest in the council that we ought to obey God rather than men. We see this is Peter. Uh, he was continuing. We see in the book of Acts, uh, we see him continuing and cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He was being cooperative and allowing the Lord to use him to proclaim the gospel to an unreached group. And for illustration, we see in the Fox, Fox's Book of Martyrs, it gives instances, many, many instances of people who were faithful to the Lord even unto death. Uh, some of the greatest illustrations of continuing are found in the Word of God. We see uh, Joseph, uh, Daniel, and the Apostle Paul would be great examples of those who stood steadfast. Uh, they continued in their walk uh, with God, and they uh, continued until their race was finished. We see uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, uh, a clarion call, which says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that verse is is a big comfort to me, as I know when I serve the Lord and I don't see... uh, immediate results, I know that my labor for the Lord is not in vain. And so letter A, we see his evangelization of the Gentiles after receiving the vision from the Lord and the commission from the Spirit, Peter immediately followed uh, the emissaries to the house of Cornelius, the centurion. And Peter was clearly aware of the fact that it is the gospel that changes lives, uh, not some Uh, lifestyle that you have to follow, not a set of rules. Uh, It was the gospel uh, that changes lives then and it still changes lives today. And so he knew that. And we see in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, uh, where it states, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Uh, But Peter, once again, had needed an attitude adjustment in order to grab hold of this truth. Uh, He knew that God was not a respecter of persons. God did not look at one person more uh, more valuable than another. We see in, uh, if we we look, uh, verse uh, number 34, we'll read that together. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know, which was published through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost 
and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, and God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hung, hanged on a tree, how God raised them up the third day and showed him openly, uh, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink uh, with him after he rose from the dead. And so we see P Peter understood this uh, truth very well. And as believers, we must uh, realize that God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, the lowliest of people in this world, God loves. Uh, the people who are on the streets and have no hope uh, in this world, God loves them. And we ought to as well. Those who are rich in this world, God still loves them, even though many would des uh, desire their downfall. And we see uh, God is not a respecter of persons, and the person that we ought to witness to is, in fact, every lost person that we come in contact with. God wants us to sow the seed of the gospel, and the work of bringing one to repentance, to turn to Christ, uh, is the job of the Holy Spirit. We see uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse number 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And John 6, verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We see uh, the farmer uh, does his best job to prepare the ground uh, carefully. He plants the seed properly, and he cares for the young plants uh, as they grow. And in modern times, we'll have pesticides and different things that will apply to the fields so that uh, the crops can grow and not be choked out by weeds. Uh, and there's all sorts of uh, work that is to be done so that the plants will grow. But the, the farmer, as I know well, my family, uh, my foster family, they uh, would often pray for rain. They would be praying for rain often. Uh, we'd have times of drought and we would be uh, in family devotions every morning praying for rain because we knew that uh, even with all of our preparation, with all of the work that we had done and all the uh, hard labor that we had done, unless God sent rain, it would be for naught. Unless God uh, had uh, in his part in the work, it would not uh, be fruitful. We see uh, there would be no harvest until God does his part. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see this, this truth, this idea taught uh, in verse number 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Uh, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And so God used the, the power of the gospel to bring about regeneration and transformation to the Gentiles. Uh, the Gentiles, uh, those who uh, the Jews did not see, uh, did not see that they would receive uh, the benefit of the Messiah coming. Uh, and we see. If we look back in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, 
the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Uh, it must have been an un unbelievably thrilling thing for Peter uh, to be a part of. He would see many people uh, trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, but then we see Satan intervened. Uh, we see his explanation to the Jews in Acts chapter 11. Uh, whenever God is working, there will always be those who uh, will criticize and become contentious. Uh, it's an amazing thing that anyone would be unhappy about someone being saved. Uh, but we see uh, that, was, that was the case then. And sadly, it's still often the case today. It says in Acts chapter 11, let's look in verse number 1 and 2. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. And Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them. And we see uh, this uh, issue that he was dealing with here. It's very uh, reminiscent of what the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus. They said to Jesus, you're, you're eating with publicans and you're eating with sinners. How, how is it that you're doing that? Why are you doing this? And Christ's simple answer to that, uh, as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago, it is today. Uh, he said, uh, we see here in Ma Mark chapter 2, and we'll look at verse number uh, 17, or we'll look at 16 for context. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Uh, those were outcasts in society. Publicans were people who would collect taxes, and they would earn their living by asking for more uh, than they should ask. Uh, and so they would earn a lot more money uh, unrighteously and also we see sinners so these outcasts of society jesus is eating with them but and we see in verse 17 when jesus heard it he saith unto them they that are whole have no need of a physician but they that are sick i came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance and in romans 3 we see in verse 10 as it is written there is none righteous no not one Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us are good enough to get to heaven on our own. Uh, we all have a debt of sin uh, that we have to have paid for. In Romans chapter 5, we see uh, in verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man, that be Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so Peter, he went on to describe how the Lord had made it clear to him that he was to share the good news of the gospel uh, with everyone. And we see in Acts chapter 11, skip down to verse 17. 
For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And we see uh, the, the Judaizers and those who uh, heard those things, they understood, you know, God is giving the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And then let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, um, verse number 9. We see also, uh, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that at every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we see Paul understood this very clearly, uh, that every person, uh, every nation uh, would come one day and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, that everyone would, uh, at the end of uh, their life, they would realize that Jesus is Lord. And so in, on this sin-cursed earth, uh, there are many man-made divisions. We live in a time of division, uh, a time where people want to separate you from someone else, uh, to put yourself in a group. Uh, you're of this generation, not of this generation. You're of this group and not of that group. You're, you're not of them, so you can't do that. And so there's a lot of division in our world, uh, but and natural borders ultimately, uh, and those divisions are simply just lines uh, that men have made. As, uh, an example on a map, uh, the border lines are just lines that men have made on a map. They've made agreements. You know, this is where our land stops and this is where your land begins. And so God sees all men as fallen and in need of a Savior. And God sent His Son to be that Savior. And all who accept the Savior are one in Him. Um, so we see in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. In Galatians 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, God sees no difference uh, in anyone. Everyone is uh, able to trust Christ as their Savior. Uh, he is willing to save anyone. And so let's look at number two today, uh, and beginning a new section in our notes. Number two, Peter being contrary. Peter being contrary. In Galatians chapter 2, We'll go back there in verse number 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing of them that were, which were of the circumcision. Uh, to make plain kind of what's happening here, we see Peter is eating with Gentiles. He's spending time with Gentiles. Uh, and then those, uh, it says here, those uh, which were of the circumcision, they came. Those were Judaizers, people who said you had to follow uh, the Jewish law 
and believe the gospel. They wanted to add uh, the following the law to the gospel. And so they said, you know, you have to do this if you're going to become a Christian. Uh, and so they, they came in, and they, Peter's eating here with these uh, sinners and these Gentiles. And we see that they're, you know, that peer pressure that uh, Peter faced, he saw them, knew what they believed, and so he decided, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave these Gentiles because I know what they believe. Uh, and I, even though I believe that God is not a respecter of all persons, uh, we see Peter deciding to leave them. And uh, we see we do not know uh, precisely when this incident occurred. It could have been uh, during the period described in Acts chapter 15, after Paul and Barnabas, they had gone to Jerusalem uh, to deal with the controversy over the Judaizers coming to, into the church and attempting to teach uh, the Gentiles that they had to undergo the rite of circumcision in order to be saved. Uh, they needed to follow these Jewish practices. Uh, in Jerusalem, Peter had once again told us the story of how God sent him to the Gentiles uh, a good while ago, it says in Acts 15, 7. And he lent the weight of his influence to James, uh, who ruled that the Gentile believers should not be harassed over this issue. Uh, they should not have to do this. And so we read no more of Peter's actions in the book of Acts after this point. After this point, we don't uh, see any more of Peter. And so from the council, from this council at Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas, they went uh, to Antioch and ministered there for some time. Acts chapter 15 and verse 30, we read, So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which, they had, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren and met with many words and comforted them, or confirmed them. And after they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So we can see evidently here, Paul uh, the, during the ministry of Paul and Barnabas at Antioch, Peter uh, went to pay them a visit, and them, which were of the circumcision, uh, showed up there as well. They seemed to have been a menacing group, uh, they, uh, and we see Peter gave in once again to the timidity that had led to his denial of Christ. It's at this point that we see Peter making a mistake. Uh, we, know, we know that he knew what to do. Uh, he knew uh, that, uh, we know that he had been doing what he uh, was supposed to do, but now we see him being distracted by the naysayers and the critics. And we see Teddy Roosevelt, he was a, a soldier, a writer, a statesman, uh, and he understood well that it's not the, the critics that accomplish great things. He said, it's not the critics who counts, but uh, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. If he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never, uh, who neither know victory nor defeat. It has been said that no one has ever built a statue to a critic. 
And so the believer who is involved in working for Christ, if you're going to uh, be active in serving the Lord and working uh, for Christ, you have to realize that there's going to be critics, there's going to be detractors, there's going to be people who do not uh, support the work that you are doing, and it's still our duty to carry on and obey. In letter A, we see he left the Gentiles alone. Uh, in uh, Galatians 2, uh, verse 12, we saw that Peter uh, was eating with the Gentiles and undoubtedly ministering to them, teaching them the word of God. And, uh, but after the Jews arrived, we see five very sad words. He withdrew and separated himself. Uh, he did not want these Jews to see him with Gentiles. It's always Satan's goal to help, uh, to, to get the believer to step away from obedience and service. Uh, if he cannot prevent you from going to heaven, he's going to do whatever he can to make you ineffective here on this world. And so this is exactly what Peter, uh, we see, did. The songwriters, uh, Howard L. and Margaret W. Brown, they uh, wrote the words to the hymn, Follow, I Will Follow Thee. And it, it captures the goal for every uh, believer uh, with these words, Jesus calls me, I must follow, follow him all way. When my Savior goes before me, I can never stray. And so why did Peter step away? Why did he leave? Why did he uh, choose to be afraid of, those, uh, of the circumcision? We see when after the shame of his denial of Christ and the sweetness of his restoration, when, when Jesus told him, uh, do you, asked him, do you love me? And he said, yes, uh, I love you, Lord, as uh, we learned last week. Uh, we see uh, after that, Peter showed himself such a bold witness in the first half of the book of Acts. It seems odd now, after all of this time of boldness and, and faithful service to God, uh, to Christ, that he would now once again live in fear. Uh, but our flesh is always with us. Uh, until we are with the Lord, our flesh is with us, and our old habits are never far away. And so we see Proverbs 29 and verse number 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, uh, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. A snare is, is like a trap. It's like a, uh, something you get your hand caught in and you can't uh, let go of it. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but I, I remember an illustration about uh, some sort of uh, trap that people would make to catch squirrels or some sort of small animal and they would put their, the, the animal would put their hand inside of the trap and they'd try to grab the thing out of the, uh, out of the trap, the, the container, but they could not remove their hand because as a fist it could not uh, pull out and so they were stuck. And we see uh, that fear, uh, the fear of man bringeth a snare. It's like a trap. It keeps you there. It keeps you from uh, doing what you ought to do for the Lord. I, I've uh, learned this in my life. Uh, when I served uh, in New York City and, and uh, sharing the gospel with the Jewish people there, uh, I had a lot of times where I could have been fearful. Uh, I had times where I was fearful, but I had times where I could have been fearful, but I remembered this truth. Uh, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know, if, I, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, that is the safest place that I can be. And so we see in Second Timothy as well, uh, in chapter 1, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, if, if you are making decisions on fear, uh, that is not from the Spirit of God. That is not uh, something that God has given you. Uh, God has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, we can see uh, by illustration, working on uh, cars uh, can bring out the worst in people. Uh, a man we see had been a Christian for many years, and he was changing the oil uh, in his car one day. And uh, I've done that uh, few, many times now, and I know that that is kind of a, a stressful. You're laying on your back, and you're trying to find where everything is and get it loosened and uh, not drop the oil, uh, not the, the nut from the... Uh, uh, the bolt from the, the engine there and drop it in the oil. And we see while he was lying under the car, he managed to drop the oil filter into a pan of drained oil. Uh, how many of you have ever done that before? You dropped it in the oil. I, I did that last time I changed the oil. Dropped it right in there. And I was like, I, was, I had no drop on the ground, nothing. It was perfectly clean. I'd got all the oil. And then that dropped in there, and it was just a big mess. And so we see this man, he... Uh, after this had dropped in the oil, it was hot and, uh, and messy, and now it splattered on him, and almost involuntarily, uh, an expletive uh, escaped from his mouth. And we see uh, he uh, had been more than 30 years. Uh, he was thankful no one had been uh, around him to hear it, but uh, the particular sin in him may have been dormant, it may have uh, been uh, you know, hidden away, but it obviously was not dead. Uh, so we have to be careful. Uh, in Ephesians 4, we are warned, neither give place to the devil. Uh, we need to be very careful and rem remember uh, that our flesh is still uh, within. Uh, we have to overcome each day. Uh, in letter B, we see he led the Jews astray. He led the Jews astray. One of the great lessons to be learned from the life of Peter is that people are not only watching us, uh, but some will inevitably follow us. Uh, the text states that the Jews would, uh, the Jews dissembled likewise with him. So those uh, who uh, were, had, had trusted Christ, and the, when Peter left, he wasn't the only one that left. Uh, when, his, when he decided you know, he would succumb to the peer pressure of those who had come, uh, and we see he left, and then others left with him. And we see the word dissemble can be defined as to conceal one's true motives, thoughts, by some pretense, uh, speak or act hip hypocritically, uh, in which it coincides with the definition here uh, of the Greek word to act hypocritically. And so... Uh, Peter, he, he, he believed one way, but he acted another. Uh, he was living uh, the life of a hypocrite. This is the essence of hypocrisy. He believed that in Christ the Gentiles were in equal status with the Jews. But when the aggressive Judaizers came around, Peter turned his back on his Gentile friends as though uh, they were somehow inferior. Uh, and so we imagine immature, acting, uh, immature children acting this way, but it's difficult to uh, imagine and comprehend that this is uh, the behavior of a mature Christian, uh, someone who had been with Christ. Uh, one of the saddest facts revealed in this passage is that a very good man uh, by the name of Barnabas also became caught up with this uh, dissimulation, 
a very similar term to dissemble. And Barnabas, he was one of the quiet heroes of the New Testament. He was uh, also called the son of consolation. He was an encouragement uh, to those who he uh, met and uh, who, who he was with, and he was encouraging uh, whoever he was with. But we see Par- Barnabas, uh, he had been Paul's mentor and now was his co-laborer in Antioch, and he was a man who was uh, gracious, genuine, and giving. And in this instance, we see, though, he was also headed in the wrong direction. Uh, because of Peter's choice to, to leave, he also went with him. And he followed him wrongly. We see sometimes we, we ask uh, why good people are doing the wrong thing. And this passage shows us that good people often do the wrong thing because they were following other good people who are doing the wrong thing. Uh, we see uh, it is important for believers to realize that there are those who are coming after us and watching. And in some cases, they're even following us. Uh, there's someone who is looking up to you, uh, who is looking at your life, your testimony, and they're following you. Uh, they might not say it, they might not tell you, but they're uh, learning from your life, and they are learning what it means to be a Christian uh, from your life. Is your life uh, an example that you would want someone to follow? Uh, we are all examples uh, to someone else. And so we ought to be examples to the believers. That's why it's critical that we allow God to guide our steps. And in Psalm 37, we see in verse 23, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We need to listen to God. We need to listen for his directives uh, to our, our steps. And then we need to make sure that we obey those directives. And we see in Psalm 32, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And then Proverbs 3 as well. Many of us have maybe memorized this passage, uh, either in Sunday school as a child or recently. Proverbs 3, 5, uh, and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways... Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And so we see also in Proverbs 16 another encouragement to follow the Lord. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And so that's all we have for this morning. And so let's, uh, let's be sure that we follow the Lord in each step that we take. Uh, in each uh, step of our life, uh, are we uh, following uh, the Lord, are we uh, allowing God to, to direct the next step in our life? You know, uh, so, so many people get caught up with trying to follow the Lord uh, and think, well, God, what do you want me to do in 10 years? What do you want me to do in five years from now? What's the big plan, God? And they get so focused on that that they're not looking where their next step needs to go. If we would just follow God in the next step, uh, he would take us to the step after that and the step after that. And God knows the whole roadmap. He knows where we're going to go in our life here. He wants us to go. And if we would just follow that next step, uh, he would like, uh, lead us there. So let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you for uh, this example uh, of Peter. Lord, help us not to uh, follow it. Lord, help us to, be, uh, to take uh, heed to it. Uh, Lord, help us to understand that you love everyone. 
You are not a respecter of persons, Lord. And help us, Lord, as we see in the general context of this, Lord, help us to be consistent. I ask that you would help us to be the same person that we are on Sunday, on Monday. When we go to work, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be the Christian that others believe us to be. Help us to be the Christian that you desire us to be. Help us to be witnessing to our friends and our family and our co-workers, Lord, help us, Lord, uh, to live lives that are consistent and honor you, Lord. We thank you for this time, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.